0: Welcome to NetSmart Care Threads, a podcast where human services and post-acute leaders across the healthcare continuum come together to discuss industry trends, challenges, and opportunities. Listen as we uncover real stories about how to innovate and improve the quality of care for the communities we serve. Let's get into the show. My
1: name is Jeremy Mercer, and I'm your host today. I serve as director of post-acute strategy for NetSmart, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Amy Goldsmith, Senior Vice President of Care Management for Sava Senior Care. Amy oversees the care management and care coordination functional teams for Sava Senior Care's 168 skilled nursing facilities. She has worked in long-term care for more than 23 years. Amy's passion lies within the care and advocacy of the geriatric community and those that serve them in the skilled nursing space. Today's Care Threads podcast will center around the topic of leveraging technology and analytics to improve care coordination. Why is this so important? Skilled nursing staff are being required to wear more hats than ever, and technology can be used to increase efficiency to do more with less and tap into analytics to identify areas of opportunity to better coordinate care. Amy, thanks for joining me.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Let's get started.
2: Okay. Share with
1: the audience your career path. How did you get your start in this field? And what has your journey been like in your role today?
2: Well, I started on my career path right when PPS was coming into fruition. So that was interesting. My first day on the job was actually Christmas Eve. And so um, I think I've been from, you know, starting from being a clinician to direct care to taking on more regional and divisional divisional roles. You know, I've, I've worked for very large companies and Sava being one of those, you know, in wearing multiple hats. And I think you know, having a therapy background, and then working with our MDS teams, I grew throughout my career to love and appreciate MDS nursing, the strategy and the um, reimbursement rules and the quality that surround being an assessment nurse. And so I I grew with that path and um, really started to embrace that throughout my career. And what's interesting is, back when I started, you had a handful of managed care plans and HMOs. And so now we're seeing what a shift in the world, right? So now we went from almost, you know, dead, even Medicare managed care, you know, med advantage to now that superseding. And so the, you know, the roles of clinicians have had to change and morph with the industry morph. And, uh, it's hard. It can be hard. However, I would say the best change agents in the, in any type of healthcare industry would have to be long-term care because you've had, you know, it makes you a great clinician because you have to be able to do so many things. And like you said, wear so many hats. So.
1: Wow. That is uh, quite the journey and background to, to get to where you are today. You know, something jumped out at me and, and, you know, it's a, a, A word I've not really heard used a lot whenever you think about the evolution of kind of reimbursement models is being focused in on strategy as it relates to kind of the evolving role and how you're having to wear multiple hats. Do you see um, a lot of other organizations kind of taking a new look or a new strategic approach to how they're, they're staffing and focusing on that?
2: Well, if they haven't, they need to, because I think we're being forced to, to be honest. there We went from these assessment pieces and reimbursement that was really just data entry back in the day, and then PPS sort of changed all of that for us, and Every single update, they've added not just one layer, but a whole, you know, salami sandwich onto it. So it's gotten really thick with a lot of data. And when we had the update in 2019 with PDPM, it was a full shift, full change. You know, and we've added 160 reimbursement questions just in one assessment. And that, that was huge for us. And so you have to engage not just rehab or not just psychosocial services, but nursing has become the primary driver. And if, if we don't have our arms around nursing care and documentation being at equal stance with one another as a nurse, as a clinician then we will miss the boat because we have to learn to empower our nurses to take credit for everything they do, empower our CNAs, empower all of our staff because, you know, we've gotten a little bit of the shaft to be honest in long-term care and it's it's such a really beautiful group of um, people. And to be in this field and this part of the industry, you really have to love it. You have to love geriatrics. You have to love a psychosocial model. You have to really embrace that look. And, you know, you're really seeing it filter out now as staffing has become so challenging for everyone. And it really, I really don't see it easing up, you know, anytime in at least the next year, we're going to have to deal with this. So it becomes critical that everybody's able to sort of pivot and change and learn from each other and be transparent, you know.
1: Absolutely. Well, in in that pivot and change and use the the term nursing as the primary driver, how do you how do you see that coming into fruition or how have you guys done that to, to put the
2: nurses in the driver's seat? We've done a lot of education, a lot of training, increased our communication. I will say that, and one thing I think that Sava has done really well, and I've been with a lot of other players in the industry and uh, met some wonderful people, but I think what Sava has done really well is is they've really said, okay. You know, from our, our leadership on, we are here to support the field. How can we make the lives in the field easier? And nursing care needs to be at the forefront. So, how can we help the nurses deliver the care efficiently and take credit for that? And everyone should be involved in understanding the metrics including the nurses. So our nurses honestly didn't understand the metrics nearly as well as our therapists did for years, right? Because rugs world really was driven by rehab, but now, you know, case mix groups are driven by nursing. The nursing case mix group is the highest one. The NTAs are driven from nursing and diagnoses and meds. So you've got these two big components that make up the reimbursement. And so you've, you've, you've taken these nurses that, didn't really care to know about it to, hey, not only do I need you to care, but I need you to drive it. I need you to ask questions. I need you to use your, you know, clinical deductive reasoning and become also an operator. And they don't all like that. You know, that's been hard. But I think if you give them the tools and the support, obviously the technology is, I mean, you can't do it without the technology. So um, because there's too many things to juggle right now, you know, and they and they feel it. So you have to support them and give them here, listen to them and give them what they need and also, you know, strategize and triage the the plan to make sure that you get, you know, everything met, including, you know, paid for all that you're doing. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing ugly about nursing homes making money for the care they deliver. You know, we have extremely complex patients that we take care of and the government has extremely really deep rules and regulations on us as well. And so you have to become fluent in those languages, I think.
1: Absolutely. And, and I would agree with you. And, you know, part of what you, you're talking about, you know, the education, the training, and really, it's kind of you used the language of triage, the plan, and the plan being part of the larger care coordination uh, plan, I'm assuming of that individual's needs, not just that that point in time, or what's in the windshield. Now, with that, you know, care coordination has been pretty much a a buzzword, uh, more so than reality for many skilled nursing organizations. How has your team leveraged technology to help improve that and driving that?
2: You know, we've you've got to have care coordination folks in those seats that really understand detail, are able to communicate effectively and have just as much urgency around the issues that you do, And know what the customer's urgency is, right? The customer being our patients, the insurers, the physicians, et cetera. And so what's happened is because we've seen managed care supersede Medicare, we've had to learn these multitude of plans and all of the different requirements. And there's no way that you can have, um, you know, facility nurses and MDS nurses understand all of the ins and outs of that. So we've created a lot of different custom reports so that we've been able to help set them up for success, right? So um, having some oversight from the regional folks, being able to look at skilled change reports, people that go in and out of the hospital, you know, people that have a lag in their ARDs, people that are missing meds, authorizations, you know, all those little detailed items. We need to have reports that can flag us quickly to see who might need our attention and help. And so we created, you know, we used to have, instead of cutting from the, you know, from the facilities, we would never do that. You know, you have to streamline down maybe your overhead some. So we had to do that, but we did it, I think, in a smart way. We took, you know, that um, role that a lot of those folks were doing um, from the field and we put it in more of an oversight role. So you kind of have this big brother in a supportive big brother way. Going through these reports, finding out who's got the biggest issue, who needs my help, and then I can make those calls to say, "Hey, you're missing an authorization here," or, "Hey, you know, I see this high cost drug; you could, should get paid for that," or, "You might want to ask for an increased level of care." So you've got these these sort of watchers, these nurses that we've hired, um, these remote nurses that are managing you know, 50 buildings each, 40 buildings each from a remote location. But I will tell you, they have proved their value over and over again, because we have been able to really save our our bacon, you know, by identifying all that, because the the intricacies of these contracts are so, there's no way anyone can know that, you know, there's so many different rules and exclusions, so...
1: Right, and, and you know each um, each patient or resident, as you define them, uh, may have a different payer. So you're you're you know, your staff on the floor may not actually be able to keep up with all the different needs of the managed care or payer relationships that you have. So if I understand correctly, then you are leveraging, um, you, you refer to them as the watchers, but really it's, it's data empowerment to them based on the specifics of those relationships you have. And then from there, uh, they're using that to help drive back to your floor staff to say, oh, wait, you know, for this or for that. You need to do X, Y, or Z,
2: right? Right. We we've sort of uh, coined the term quarterback. So our MDS nurses, our our care management directors, you know, their their role is not their their role has really grown as a leadership nurse in a facility. It's like taking your your DON, ADON, and mushing them with an administrator operator brain to create this you know, leader, this clinical operator. And so they're kind of the quarterback of the whole situation within the facility because you have to have a point person within the building, right? You might have your oversight team and everybody managing it, but someone has to communicate. Someone has to um, direct the information and, you know, prioritize what needs to get done quickly because timing in this industry is everything in reimbursement, right? Timing is everything from skilled med a to skilled managed care to hmo everybody's all about dates times length of stay so you really have to be on your game and our business is you know 24 7 it's not monday through friday so you have to find ways to be flexible with scheduling flexible with um, weekend coverage and evenings because you know insurance plans don't really care. If it's a Saturday night, you know, you have to still treat this patient, manage their care, communicate to the floor staff and um, make sure this patient's taken care of.
1: Absolutely. Well, and that, that flexibility with staffing, I mean, that that is such a, a key issue in the industry right now is, is staffing period. And, you know, as, as we see, and I'm sure your organization is, is feeling the same pressure as the rest of the industry, um, as facilities are struggling with staffing, can technology be used to help offset that and tools like uh, simple, uh, can they be used to help streamline that care coordination while uh, helping to improve the, the lives of the staff?
2: Absolutely. I mean, frankly, you know, we can't really get through without having some type of technology to manage our schedules. And what we found was, you know, a lot of our nurses were being asked to do some of these non-nursing tasks, these scheduling tasks, because you've got so much in and out volume and change in staff right now that having a type of scheduling software becomes really critical, you know, a way for them to utilize an app, a way for them to go in and make their own schedule. If you ask the field if you've asked these facility teams what it is they're looking for to, to come work for you, what makes it better to work here versus there um, you really have to stand you know alone and sort of say will, what will it take? I'll do whatever it is you need. And the number one thing we hear over and over again is flexibility. So do I have an ability to come in when I drop my child off or to work evenings? Or can I schedule here or there um, and get my own coverage? Um, can I work three tens this week? And can I do five eights? That, you know, whatever you want to do. And we just have sort of said, you tell me what it is you need and we'll figure out a way to do it. Um, so flexibility, number one. Yes, money is important. But Honestly, getting the nurses where they can treat the patients and they don't have to do non nursing duties, especially HR. HR takes up most of our clinicians' time. And so, can you find someone that can take on those non nursing duties to offload from your DON or ADON or whatever that might be? And then, uh, have the empower the facility teams on how to use software to schedule themselves and use their apps. Most of our CNAs are younger and they are frustrated if they can't use technology. <laughs> they they want something that's fast at their fingertips that they can manage. They don't want to have to deal with old you know, paper plans. They need to be able to put everything in something electronic. That's what they're used to. And and you know, on that note, what's funny about the technology boom for all of us in this industry is we have to make sure that our data lines can keep up with it. So we've had to do a lot of upgrades and our plans are continuing to upgrade through this next year to make sure we can handle the volume as we increase iPads, as we increase, you know, laptops for people and vital sign carts for things to integrate. And that's the other thing, the flow of communication makes their life easier, right? So the integration of all of these tools into one platform is critical. You know, a great thing that Simple's did with our um, EMR was we were now able to transmit our assessments right through Simple and have it scrub right there. I don't have to click in and out of a, you know, a couple different apps and honestly, You know, I think a lot of our operators forget sometimes what it's like um, in the facilities, but even just those small little time suckers of clicking in and out or things that don't talk to each other, and I have to double document. It it can make or break your team's, you know, joy of their job and they'll find somewhere else that's a little more integrated. Technology is one of the questions we get in interviews now all the time. What's your software program? You know, how long do you usually get things back from CMS? How can I get to reports? What reports do you offer? You'd be amazed how educated some of these clinicians are coming in about what they want um, in their job satisfaction and to take a nursing job, they want to know how easy is it going to be for me to document? How flexible are you with my schedule? And if I need a tool, will you offer me the tool I need to do my job? So.
1: Absolutely. So if um, I'm hearing you right, it sounds like there is a, a, a monumental shift in the industry as well from the, the staffing perspective of they want the empowerment of technology. They, they are not offended if, um, for example, a, a tool tells them, hey, did you forget or maybe you should have looked at X, Y or Z. They're more open and willing to, to leverage that as part of their job now.
2: Yeah. And it's funny because we're used to that in our everyday life, right? I have a light that comes on in my car that tells me and I'm like, oh, shoot, I've got to go get my oil changed or, oh, something's wrong with my tire. It's the same thing and everything. I'm busy. I'm working hard. I'm treating patients. I'm trying to follow. And you a little alert says, hey, you might want to think about, does this patient have this diagnosis? That makes sense. You're missing a point. Mine, all our nurses love that. They're like, thank you. Like they, it helps them do their job more efficiently and they don't want to miss it either. You know, they like having pride in their job and feeling like they've done a, you know, they've captured everything they want to capture and they've had these great relationships. They get excited about it. Um, so no, if anything, I think they're looking for something that is very intuitive and helps guide them to the path. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a helpful tool. That's for sure.
1: That's great. And do you, uh, Do you think that's a byproduct of kind of that shift to PDPM in, in 2019, you know, it was such a monumental shift in how we're getting paid and reimbursed. Do you think that as part of that learning curve, the technology was seen as an assistance rather than, hey, I've been doing this for, you know, 10 years, I know better than any software? (laughs)
2: Yes, I would say the nurse that said I've been doing this for 10, 20, 30 years was freaking out a little bit because it's so overwhelming the amount of volume and they're saying, help me, (laughs) what can I use to help me do this job better? So, you know, PDPM having some type of technology that alerts you when you're on a bubble for another NTA or something that makes sense with a patient's comorbidities that you might have missed something. There's too many items on an assessment to not have technology help guide you. I, you could take the best, most amazing REI coordinator out there and they still would want that technology. It's still, You'll still miss something. It's too complicated. Survey process as well, quality measures as well. You need all of those items to stay on top of everything that the industry is demanding of you. Insurance companies, you know, physicians, pharmacy. I mean, it it really is a lot to juggle for someone that comes out of school wanting to just, you know, treat patients and write a care plan and they think that's what it is. They don't teach you any of these things in school. It's a lot of on the job <laughs> learning. And so you need leaders in there that promote it, support you, give you time to learn it. And, um, you can feel satisfied at the end of the day, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, and and you bring up such a good point, though. Is you know, in in um, in school, they're taught to actually provide the care, right? Administer the care, and it's not really they're going through to be an IT resource. So Hi, they're brother. learning the ins and outs of technology. With that, do you think it's important, or how important is it to have analytic tools that are simple enough that anyone can use and leverage those in their day to day?
2: Analytic tools are critical. And I will tell you, it can be the reason why you stay with a a company like Simple and switch from the company you're at to go to Simple. And I will tell you, the number one reason would be the predictive analytics, the ability to get in front of everything. You know, we are a very, or at least historically, I will say, reactionary industry and we have to become extremely proactive getting in front of these quality measures getting in front of the survey issues a way to round better because you know you have all of your different insurance partners that are looking for your strategy your trend how you are implementing a change and then showing them the results of that change. You can't do that in a reactionary world. You really have to stay in front of all of your issues. So you used to have your therapist and your MDS nurse that were really good at the software and could use it. But now you're seeing all of your clinicians, all your social workers, your activities, leaders, your business office teams, they all want to learn about simple for us and with our analytics, for example, and they all want to understand, Oh, what's the frailty of this patient. I need to pull this up so that I can manage my rounding with my team. And I only have this much time. So I should probably just, you know, I'm going to look at these five residents right now because they're critical dashboard information, um, you know, making sure that you don't lose money. And, you know, the, the quality reporting, you know, like the QRP measures are just going to continue, you know, and, We're going to be reimbursed from QMs. I really believe it's here, it's coming. And so the better that everyone can get at understanding how to utilize the analytics to manage their care, the better off we will all be, really.
1: Right. Well, and, and with that, it, you know, we, we focus on your organization in terms of the need for analytics. But it's also taking that analytics of your organization, using those uh, to go to your, your managed care, your payer relationships. Right. And how do you see that um, kind of evolving or how has it evolved for your organization? And how has tools like Simple helped to, to drive that evolution, too?
2: Our managed care partners, um, they want to know how we stand up against our peers, the national averages, and if we are struggling with something, they want us to tell them and then show us, show them you know, what we've done to change that, how we've identified our population standing out versus another population because we're taking on these types of patients. That's been something we've really run into a lot this year with our VA partners, with um, all sorts of insurances, honestly. And they, they will pick and choose based on those quality measures, who they're going to work with, send their patients to. So for the operators, you know, out there, it becomes a vital tool on, you know, census growth and ability to bring those patients in and build those relationships because we see those networks just narrowing and narrowing every single year. And boy, we're really in it now. And why wouldn't they? It's very competitive. They want to be finding the best providers. And and so they're kind of, unfortunately, the insurers have been sort of in the driver's seat now. And they're saying, okay, we only want to work with the best that have these this type of staffing, these type of quality measures, offer this type of, you know, programming for our types of patients. So it really becomes A partnership, not just from your sales and marketing team, but now your nurses need to understand that Um, your admissions, your business office needs to understand that administrators are getting very involved in a sales and marketing role to work with those um, partners to really build those relationships, which I think that's really changed over probably the last four or five years. And it just keeps accelerating, right? So having a tool where you can show them your data, show them your trends, it's easy. I can just grab it because somebody canceled my meeting and I just grabbed another meeting with somebody else from another hospital to build that relationship and try and get in with them. It's nice to have tools like that from simple where I can just easily navigate, right? I don't have to be the nurse. I could be the sales and marketing liaison. And I understand I can go to a quality measure and pull it up or a diagnosis, you know, and say, these are our primary diagnoses we're seeing in this facility. And we've been teaching them how to use that because they need to understand how to go in and show that data to our partners out there.
1: Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, from your seat, do you really think that care coordination could be done without having proactive analytics?
2: Absolutely not. That, you know, it's funny because I don't know how people do it without, to be honest, without predictive analytics to know, you know, yes, I might be a three-star, but I'm moving to a four-star or a five-star. And oh, I'm really on the on the fence here with my points, you know, simple is fantastic because you can just hover over and see how close you are with points. You can play with it a little bit to see where you need to focus your energies. If it's on the staffing piece or if it's on, you know, your, your complaint surveys have escalated or wherever that might be it really allows you to sort of slice and dice your plan within each of your um, facilities, districts, regions, you know, whatever you manage. And for us from sort of a, you know, high-level view, I'm able to talk to our board members and, you know, our investors and, and show them the predictions that we're looking at, what what trends we're seeing, you know, our quapi plans that we've put into place. You know, they want to hear all that. They, they want to know, why should I give you all this money uh, to continue to staff and to support agency when you're in this, you know, this rough spot? Um, well, because of this, you know, we, we might have been struggling, but look at the, you know, gains we've made with the tight staffing, you know, and the quality measures that we're looking at. And, you know, that's a great uh, piece of data to have at all levels of any industry or any, um, you know, organization. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And would would you say that um, now more than ever, uh, quality data uh, is more important and critical than it has been in any other point?
2: Yes, and we've seen them put more pressure on quality, right? They've changed even, you know, uh, you know, the expectations of quality. and we've we've heard from CMS that they're going to continue to do that. And so we're going to continue to see those numbers tighten. We're also going to continue to see, I think, payment be driven from quality measures. I'll tell you, more and more people in the industry outside of skilled nursing ask about quality measures. And now you have this group of, Folks like myself that might have an aging family member or whatever, and they are more educated. They go online. They pull up your quality measures before they even pick a facility. I know I do. I look at it all the time. And and so everyone is getting really uh, fluent with navigating through the Internet and finding, you know, care issues or places that look better than another and comparing to um, your peers or in that you know geographic area so it becomes really important to um, manage those quality measures because people are making decisions off of those more and more
1: absolutely well and and you know among the the audience that listens to this podcast it, it includes uh, CEOs from your perspective, What is the biggest misconception that CEOs have about care coordination? What is the biggest opportunity you think exists for skilled nursing providers to enhance those care coordination capabilities?
2: They need to understand, I think, that the industry has changed so much and there's so much more pressure on this role. It's really changed to you know, having to manage so many different products and really understanding the ins and outs and the the staff uh, and the facilities will not be able to do it without some help. You know, we've got to give them some support because they can't manage all the different products. So care coordination and honestly having some folks in a centralized location, help manage that and be a resource for the buildings is huge ROI for you. You know, they're able to pick up thousands of dollars on these high cost drugs in this contract that you weren't even aware of or to ask for increased levels of care or increased rehab for patients because they're able to dive into the data and make those decisions and help kind of guide the facilities, which then guide the care, you know, you can kind of all sort of work together really interchangeably. And so putting some money in those, you know, sort of roles and having them be sort of like we talked about earlier, the watchdogs, but having those nurses that really understand the summary of some of those contracts is critical. I mean, gosh, you know, I think we've seen some of those HMOs that have, you know, you might have one title of Blue Cross Blue Shield, but there's like, you know, 20 within that. And if you're like us, we're in multiple states with multiple rules and regulations. And, you know, you, you have to understand the different dynamics when each within each of those contracts. So I really think that having someone that really gets that can communicate effectively and help guide the buildings is a vital role. And it's going to just get larger. Like I said, you know, we've just superseded our Medicare with MedAdvantage and HMOs. Uh, We continue to sign these, contracts every single day and add new, you know, folks, they use these portals. Um, and so having people understand how to go into the portal and access data to send to these insurance agencies. I mean, it is becoming a much larger role than we ever, ever thought I think it would be. So it's, it only makes sense to have care coordination, you know, be at the forefront, because you're, you're looking at that patient even before they even come into your facility, that that person is now sort of managing them prior, they, they're within our facility, they're constantly, you know, having to be on a tight schedule to get them then out back to the community, and then follow back up with them in the community. So you have to have someone that fully can manage that whole holistic view of that patient to ensure that they're successful when they leave us, because that will be important to bring in another patient, you know, and working with that insurance as we move forward.
1: Absolutely. And then what would be a a piece of advice or a question you would ask uh, or have a CEO ask of their team if they're listening and wondering, how well are we doing this today? What's a good question to ask of, of their team?
2: You know, We did a survey of all of our staff and we asked them, what is it that you need to be happy to work here or to come to work? And I think having that conversation and asking them point blank, tell me if you had a magic wand, (laughs) what would be the number one thing besides money that you would like, you know, to be increase your job satisfaction. And it was interesting because that's where we heard I want to just do nursing. I don't want to do all this scheduling and HR which is taking up all my time. I need another computer. If I had another monitor, I could manage three, you know, you know, if I had, uh, you know, faster speed at the facility for data entry. I mean, it was interesting to hear the feedback, but they're very open to tell us, you know, and I think our I think the more we can communicate and build that bridge with letting them feel very valued, saying thank you for working so hard, these are hardworking individuals that really want to be there, truly. And it's been a very, very challenging 19 months or so, you know, Um, and it wasn't that easy before. (laughs) So it really, you know, was coupled with a tough time. So CEOs need to remember, ask your team what they need, because a lot of times it's a very doable you know, and not that large of an item.
1: For sure. Well, and, and, you know, part of what you mentioned, and you, you've talked about this kind of as an ongoing theme, uh, through our chat today has been that, you know, technology is an enabler. So not only is it going to help with creating efficiencies and insights, but do you think it's actually a strategy for organizations to deploy tools like simple as a, a recruiting strategy?
2: Absolutely. Like I said, we get asked all the time, what software do you use? And if we say, well, we use Simple, they get so excited. Oh, I love Simple. I couldn't go somewhere without Simple. I remember I hired in a VP and one of her first questions was, I really I don't know if I can come to your organization unless you use Simple LTC. And I said, well, you're in luck because we do. And, you know, she said, I just can't let it go because it's so easy easy. It's so intuitive and everything sort of works together to help guide care and it makes everyone's life a little easier. So uh, I think you're finding more and more people ask for the software they want because they know how much easier it makes their job so that they can treat the patients. They can be there, you know, and caring for our, our folks.
1: Absolutely. Well, and, and I I think you've, you've done a really great job of kind of, you know, telling the, the story of the empowerment of technology to help drive care coordination, how your organizations kind of leveraged it. You know, as a, a final thought or a final question I'd ask you here as we, we kind of come to an end of our chat is, uh, what is the biggest piece of advice you would give to someone who is about to revise or rethink care coordination for their organization what's that that one thing you would you would tell them to do
2: hmm i would tell them to hire smart i would tell them they need to have someone that understands the contracts that is an advocate for the clinicians and detail oriented. I, of course, I'm thinking of the person that we have in this role because she does such a fantastic job, understands all of the ins and outs of those contracts and and is a a great communicator. I mean, the, the person managing that and someone that really can drive it and believe in it will make a huge, huge difference. She's changed the face of our reimbursement, truly. Our, our setup has changed the face of reimbursement with Managed Care. You have to have someone and people that understand those details that can tease them out from outside of the facility. You, there's no way that your facility teams will ever be able to get all those nuances. So I would say hire SMART, that oversight person or people um, to help manage that process.
0: At NetSmart, we understand the challenges facing provider organizations. Our team will help you navigate changing value-based care models with solutions and services that make person-centered care a reality. We'll equip you with technology and services that provide holistic, real-time views of care histories that inform better decision-making and better outcomes. Visit us today at ntst.com. NetSmart, serving you so you can serve others. Thanks for listening to the NetSmart Care Threads podcast. Through collaboration and conversation, we can work together to make healthcare more connected than ever before and better support the communities we serve. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.